What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host for today, Simon Villanos, a.k.a. Coach V, and I'm back at it here with another 2021 Spotlight. This time, we are covering a couple teams in Northern Colorado. Now, I'm going to be honest, the original plan was to cover all Greeley teams, but with, um, you know, just with where Greeley West is right now as a team, uh, the future is unsure. I'm just going to say that, you know, the future is very unsure between players and coaches and all that. So, I, we... As a podcast, we're just going to leave that alone. And we're going to talk about a couple Greeley teams here, and then one team that isn't so far from Greeley. With all of that being said, let's go ahead and hop into it. So, to kick off this spotlight, this Northern Colorado spotlight, if you will, we, or I'm going to talk about Greeley Central, my boys up there. You know, they just beat Greeley West last week in a fantastic game, uh, making history, actually. They haven't beat Greeley West in about eight-ish years, and even eight years ago, back in 2013, when they did, they only won 7-0, to and so this is probably the most dominant win that Central has ever had over West in over 10 years, which is wild, and so... I wanted to show my boys over there some love, talk about their team, what they got going on, some players that have been key contributors to this team, uh, not only this year, but, you know, last year they were, and then moving forward, hopefully as well, but let's hop into it. So last year, they played during the COVID season in the fall, and they only played four games. They were definitely hit by COVID a lot. Um, not just them, but the entire city of Greeley was hit pretty hard by Greeley. Or, uh, sorry, was hit pretty hard by COVID, I would say. And so numbers was definitely an issue here and there. And so they only ended up playing four games last year. Um, and lost all of them. They were 0-4. These includes losses to Windsor. That was 52-8. Loveland, who, you know, in their defense eventually won state uh but they lost to loveland 51-0 lost to monarch 51-13 lost to skyline who had an excellent offense a dynamic one uh 41-12 and so a lot of tough losses here at least three of these teams well actually i think all four of these teams had a lot of seniors on their squad and so automatically they're much older than this really central team that they fielded last year and you know even at that, uh, just because you have a bunch of seniors doesn't always make your team good. Well, these teams are good as well. Obviously, I talked about Loveland. Uh, they went ahead and won state. Windsor is good every year. Monarch had a nice, uh, I want to say they had a senior quarterback back there, and he was doing his thing. And then Skyline, you know, they had a great senior quarterback and running back who both did their thing over there as well. And so, definitely a tough sledding you know, in those four games last year. Uh, Last year, they really didn't lose that many seniors at all. They had maybe one uh, senior that they're losing, at least from, uh, at least a senior that, you know, was able to contribute significantly on just to the team, whether it's offense or defense, and that was safety, Carlos Mejia. And so that was kind of a tough loss. Other than that, you know, they're virtually returning the same squad from last year, at least core player wise. And so going into this year, their record, uh, going into their October 1st game against Skyline. And so when this release, it will be Friday night, uh, tonight, when, I, when they will be playing Skyline. But going into that game, they are 1 and 4. Um, this includes losses to Niwot, tw- that 
that was a 21 to 14 loss um we talked about this one in the recap multiple touchdowns were taken away and so this was definitely a game they felt like they could have won felt like they should have won um but unfortunately it just didn't turn out that way, so there you go. Lost to Northridge right after that, 50-15. to Lost to Mountain View, 23-9. Lost to Bryden, 41-16. And then versus Greeley West, uh, got that huge dub in case you didn't hear about that or hear what the score was. It was 32-13 to in a pretty um, big statement dub. And so... Look, uh, just with Greeley teams in general, there's definitely a lot of issues that are going on uh, between, you know, just having players eligible and having players, having enough players to field a squad out there. And so they definitely have some things that they're going through, along with, you know, obviously students not wanting to join a losing program. And for a lot of Greeley teams, there are a lot of losing programs. I'm just going to say that. And so we know what Central has been building, though. They had a first year coach last year uh not like first year to coaching but because you know he used to coach Greeley Central back in the 90s or something like that but you know he was a first year coach for this current Central squad and so obviously there's growing pains there West is going through the same type of deal and so are other schools so this isn't something that's like just applicable to Greeley Central but they are building, and so let me talk about some of these building blocks here. I'm going to start with the seniors, because I really have a lot of confidence in these seniors. I love the way they approach the game. They are extremely hard workers, and honestly, if you are going to build a program, these are two guys that you know, you're know you very thankful to already have in your program, you know? Uh, guys that are you know are going to work hard and you don't have to worry about, and they're going to take care of business and kind of set the tone for what the culture of this program should be, so... First off, I'm going to go ahead and talk about senior running back slash linebacker Yahir Chirez Salazar, a.k.a. Chino, and that's what I'm going to go ahead and refer to him as. Um, first off, kid has a 4.125 GPA. He was a three-time first-team all-conference type of guy. He's been starting since his freshman year, actually, at linebacker, and then he is a two-time All-State Honorable Mention going into this year, and so he is a decorated member of this Greeley Central squad and honestly has always been one of the bright spots of this team as well you know doing his thing like I said he's been playing since uh, his freshman year and you know he didn't play running back his freshman year I don't think at least he didn't get a lot of snaps there or really his sophomore year he was primarily a linebacker and so it really wasn't until last year and this year that he definitely you know took on that role as the starting running back and linebacker for this team but honestly you know, I've heard a lot of things about Chino here. He is one of the uh, leaders, one of the stronger leaders of this squad. Definitely somebody that has been, you know, rocking with this team for a while. And so, you know, when you have a team that has kind of a high turnover rate, you know, you have players leaving and coming in and all that. You have some first-year players here and there. You know, that's always going to be tough, right? And so to have a guy like Chino here who has seen it all the way through, basically, you know, being a four-year varsity starter, uh, that's value, you know, that's somebody that you know you could rely on. 
And you know, even just outside of the field, outside of football, you know, he's somebody that's going to take care of business. You heard his GPA, 4.125. That is excellent. You know, he's not getting into trouble. Obviously, if he was getting into trouble outside of the field, off the field, then he wouldn't be getting this much playing time on the field. But he's definitely somebody who I believe will be a next-level college player, whether it's D1, D2, whatever. I think he's I think he's a next-level player, and I think, you know, his habits off the field definitely show that as well but you know enough about his off the field stuff uh let me talk about what he does on the field because he does plenty you know he like i said four-year starter in his first two years he had over 200 total tackles you know just going crazy and whatnot and so for him to do that as a freshman and sophomore in this division in this conference uh that's very impressive you know that's something that uh doesn't just you can't just gloss over that you know he's he's putting in work and that's very obvious he's putting in work there now, obviously, last year, only played four games, so <laughs> it would have been really difficult for him to, you know, hit that 100 tackle mark unless he was just going absolute crazy and, like, averaging, like, 30, like, tackles a game, which is very, you know, that's that's obviously very tough. And then, like I said, last year as well, he took over the running back spot, and so he's being used in a lot of different ways. He's on special teams as well, and so... It's, it, I, I, you know, you could ask a lot out of him, and you know he could handle it, but also, as a coach, you gotta understand, like, yo, like, he has the juice, and he could keep it going, and whatnot, that's, he's proven that, you know, in his past years here, but you wanna make sure that you're also, you know, maybe not overworking him, cause I could see some of that as well, if there is such a thing, but, regardless, he's still doing his thing, at running back and at linebacker, you know, um, by the way, he's 5'10", 190, I don't know if I've said that yet, but even at that size, he's a pretty tough running back, you know, watching him against Greeley West, he had himself a nice game, catching some passes out the backfield, running it, I think there was also a game sometime this season I don't remember if it was the Northridge game or I don't know it was it wasn't the first game or this last game but he was playing a little bit of a wildcat quarterback not really throwing the ball whole much but just running that option and he looked pretty good doing that and so he's definitely somebody who could be a tough runner for you you know he's just an athlete and so on offense you know what he could do he's just a reliable athlete that you could throw out there and run a lot of different looks with on defense, he also had a great game against Greeley West as well. Um, versus West, what I saw was that he was just flying all over the field, man. Like, cleaning up tackles, consistently getting into the backfield, you know. Um, very tough against the run, very tough. You know, he's not the biggest dude. He's not like a 6'3", 220-pound linebacker or anything like that. But, you know, he gets it done and he produces. And it definitely shows, you know. It shows that, um, you know, his numbers aren't just like, oh, you know, these are uh, clean cleanup or blowout numbers, right? Like numbers that he's stat padding. It shows that he's legit. After watching last week's game and a couple, you know, a couple other games and looking through his film, he's somebody that is very much legit at the linebacker spot. Now, will he play linebacker on the next level? I don't know. We'll see. Personally, I think he could probably put on the weight to get there if that's a problem and whatnot right now. Uh, but if not, he could probably play safety, be a good little box safety there as well. But either way, Chino here, he is a very, very 
underrated piece for this Greeley Central team. I, like I said, I think he's a next level player, and you know he's just he's kind of like just the perfect football player that you want if you are a college coach. You know he's a he's a glue type of player for sure, and the right kind of glue player. So there you go. Love to see that. Now another senior that I really do feel like is kind of a leader of this squad, and you know his play backs that up is Leon Ramirez. He plays defensive line, defensive tackle, D end, I think, and guard and honestly well first off versus west he pretty much did whatever he wanted on both sides of the ball don't get that twisted uh, especially on defense man he was getting in the backfield he was just blasting those interior linemen and he was doing his thing and you know he plays both sides of the ball as well and so for him to be as dominant for four full quarters um on offense and defense I mean, you don't get that every day. You know, at 6'2", around 280, 286, you know, he is a monster of a dude. And he's a quicker lineman as well. He could definitely move, has good footwork there. And you just see that. Um, unfortunately, because... You know, he does play for Greeley Central. Personally, I don't think he gets the respect he deserves. You know, I think he's probably the best lineman in the entire state. One of the best uh, linemen in the entire state. If not the best interior lineman in the entire state right now. And, you know, I'm sure he wouldn't have any problem proving that against a number of players uh, on the next level. And, you know, on this level as well. You know, I really think he's a grinder. He's somebody who is, is just a dog as well. Like, he's a nasty nasty football player he's finna he's finna set the tone and just hit you you know against Greeley West not only was he just beating the defensive line but he was consistently getting to the second and third level and blocking those guys and you know Greeley West fans they didn't quite like that he was doing that and I'm sure their players didn't quite like that he was doing that either but uh, at the end of the day he just built different you know, he's just one of those dudes who, you know, he has a lot of power on him. He's a dude that could hit. You know, he has quick feet, good footwork and whatnot. And, you know, for this Greeley Central team, he is just an anchor on that line. And now, wouldn't necessarily say this is the most talented line outside of him, but he definitely makes up for a lot of uh, the talent they don't necessarily have. And the size they don't necessarily have either, because he is probably the biggest player on the squad as well. Say what you want, but in my opinion, this kid, not only is he an absolute unit and a monster of a dude, and, you know, he backs up his play whenever possible, but I've, I've seen what he's been doing in the offseason, and look, Greeley Central's, like, offseason program isn't necessarily elite. To, in, in fact, if I'm just going to be completely honest with you, I don't think any of Colorado high school football's like off-season programs are necessarily elite, and that's coming from a guy who grew up in Texas and you know went through um, a Plano off-season program that rivaled Allen's. You know, Allen obviously being the home of Kyler Murray and you know the undefeated uh, Allen Eagles over there, and so I know what a high-level off-season high school program looks like, and it ain't it here in Colorado, and so <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there, but. Leon here, you know, I've seen the stories, I've seen, um, you know, his social media posts, and he's, like, consistently in the gym, dude, pushing weight, hitting new PRs, like, every other week, it feels, and he's just a monster, man, like, he's a gym rat, he's somebody who loves the process, and, you know, I mean, what more could you ask for, if you're a coach, honestly, what more could you ask for, um, he's already blocking multiple dudes when he's out there, but he's continuing to put in that work and get better, 
Honestly, in my opinion, he's a D1 lineman, and I don't have any uh, doubt about that. Um, maybe the looks might be a problem here and there, but the talent is definitely there. In my opinion, the work ethic is definitely there. He just needs a chance, and so he is for sure a D1 guy, uh, in my opinion. And so between these two guys, Greeley Central has a very strong just base. You know, and there are other guys I could mention here as well. Uh, Masias, he comes to mind. Mark Sanchez, he made a couple plays against that Greeley West team. Team last week as well. Just wanted to shout out those dudes uh, because they've, they, you know, they put in some work as well. But these two for sure, uh, these two seniors are heart and soul of this Greeley Central squad, and it showed. You know, when they played West, uh, they wanted to win, and they were just making those next level plays. You know, showing out a lot of effort, and these are just effort guys who have a lot of talent as well. And so you can never go wrong there when you're rebuilding a program. These are the type of guys you want. Really, when you're trying to make a winning program or win games, these are the type of guys you want, anyways. And so Central is very fortunate to have these dudes here. But that's not where all their talent comes from. Don't get it twisted. They have some young talent here that we've talked about last year. And, you know, whenever possible, we try to give him a shout-out here and there. We've interviewed him as well, and I'm talking about their sophomore quarterback, which is wild that he's only a sophomore, but their sophomore quarterback, Genoa Trujillo. Uh, last year, he was a freshman. That's not an, you know, that's obviously not an easy, like, transition going from middle school to freshman year during a COVID year nonetheless and then taking over that varsity starting job um, I believe he, his first full start was the second game he was splitting snaps that first game and so uh, this was you know his first full normal year of football since middle school basically and honestly compared to last year and hey Go ahead and check out that breakdown. I talked about a bunch of uh, underclassmen quarterbacks, including Blake Barnett. Uh, we talked about Isaac Cisneros, who's like leading the state in passing, or at least is up there. And then Genoa here as well. So go ahead and check out that episode. But in that episode, we talked about things that we want to see him improve. We talked about things that, you know, the coaching staff could do to kind of help him along as well, which we'll talk about here later. But as far as things that he can control like honestly bro took this offseason and he got bigger he got a little bit faster more explosive he worked on his footwork worked on his mechanics all together his mechanics look very good um he's worked on his pocket presence as well you know Greeley Central outside of Leon doesn't exactly have the greatest line and so there's definitely a lot of maneuvering that he could do um that well that he has to do or he's gonna get nailed in the backfield and lose like 20 yards or something like that um but bottom line you know he just got better and he looks really good Cody actually talked about his game a little bit here on last week's recap episode that's episode 69 nice go ahead and check that out if you haven't yet but he said he was very impressed with how far Genoa has come even just watching him go through warm-ups it's like man he just looks confident out there you know it's a flick of the wrist his arm power looks great you know his mechanics look great his footwork is amazing um he's very advanced for a sophomore quarterback right now we'll just say that um but this isn't a film breakdown we're not going to go too deep into that we'll have a problem Probably another one, um, probably in the off season, and that goes for Chino and Leon here as well, you know. But 
he looks very polished for a young quarterback and honestly for a young quarterback <laughs> to like find success and grow in this kind of environment that is very much like not exactly the most stable situation like there are freshman quarterbacks like Beckham Kritza who is definitely hopping into a much more stable environment having like a three-star athlete to throw to a bunch of great linemen a bunch of big linebackers you know receivers that are on the come up as well Genoa doesn't have any of that but he's still continuing to get better you know with this Greeley Central squad and he's been rocking with them and you know I could honestly probably say shout out to Chino and Leon you know they probably got him into the weight room and have mentored him uh, some of that way as well because uh, you know he's come a long way this offseason you know it's helped him out a lot and honestly I think he is the future of this Greeley Central team uh, this year his stats probably don't show it but uh, I mean if you look at the film he just looks a lot more comfortable out there you know his arm power is on point uh, the physical talent is definitely there and you could see that uh, the only thing that kind of concerns me, and this is something that I'm bringing up because it's going to affect my predictions for this team moving forward and whatnot, is just the offense they ran. So I was able to see some of this offense when they scrimmaged Pooter a couple weeks ago in the, uh, not the offseason, but in the preseason up in Fort Collins. And there are some things I liked. You know, there are definitely some things I liked, but the thing that I just, I'm, I'm personally, I've never been a fan on and I'm just out on is this little split back look. Uh, personally, just knowing Genoa, uh, having watched him not only last year, but I mean, having seen this kid develop since he was in middle school, since sixth grade, actually, uh, I, he probably would benefit a little bit more from shotgun and this team in general just not having the line talent in general could probably benefit a little bit more from being in shotgun spreading out and whatnot and not stacking the box because by you know running this split back formation or whatever you want to call it uh they're just stacking the box you know you're pulling linebackers and safeties in and happened versus pooter they found success there they stuffed the run and you know you got a talented guard. You got a talented running back as well. But it doesn't matter if you got eight dudes crashing the backfield because because <laughs> they know what you're going to run out of a split back formation. They don't run enough pass plays or even option plays, in my opinion, for teams to really be like, oh, you know, we got to pull guys out of the box. And so by running that, they're just stacking the box and that kind of hurts them. And so, uh, you know, it just that's just a very tough situation. If you don't have a line that is that much more dominant than another team's line or or, you know, then the majority of teams' lines in the state, then that's just not an offensive system or scheme that is going to work. Now, in this West game, they opened it up, and there are a couple of times where, you know, I'm not gonna lie, you know, he was maybe a little bit off the mark here and there, not like a lot, but maybe one or two passes here and there. I know Cody talked about that one screen pass that was a misfire. Personally, I didn't think that was the right call, anyways, and they were gonna jump it because that was one of the few uh, passes that they did run out of this out of this formation, but. I mean, if it wasn't obvious last year, it's obvious this year. I just don't think the split right look is the move. And I think just working out a shotgun, getting some quick hitters here and there, then taking your shots uh, when you can, you know, will be best. Because at this point, you know, you are running the split right look. But 
I mean, you're kind of just burning plays and you're not getting positive yardage. Half the time, you're lucky if you do get positive yardage because there's just so many bodies in the box, you know, and you just don't have the talent to really just like cover multiple dudes or have, you know, multiple linemen block multiple dudes like Leon does on a consistent basis. And so you're just not helping anybody. You're just wasting plays. And I think they are moving away from that. They they showed in this West game, like I said, that they could, they can be capable of moving into more of a shotgun pistol type of look here. But uh, I just don't know how fast they could get that going because, you know, we're about four games into the season now, five games into the season now, going into the sixth one. It's a little too late at this point to be just to just flip the script completely and you know I'm gonna stand by that I think just that scheme that offensive scheme in general is just not a good scheme um it just doesn't fit the strengths of this team and now I get it it's a very simple scheme because you don't know who you're gonna have on a week-by-week basis but I don't know if it's one that you can necessarily win with consistently and so that affects my predictions here and so honestly as great as that Greeley West game was um, I just think they're running the wrong scheme right now, and that doesn't help them. And so, let me go ahead and predict the last couple games of their season right here. So, they play Skyline. Now, Skyline, they might not have a Chase Silva or their running back from last year who was a senior. But I got to watch them live against uh, a pretty tough Silver Creek team, if I might add. And I think this is a Skyline team that, you know, not only do they have you know, a lot more talent than you, but they also have a superior scheme, you know, honestly, the Skyline scheme is probably a scheme that Central should look into possibly installing for Genoa, if not this year, next year, and in the coming years, because it's a scheme that, you know, they run out of shotgun, they still run the ball and whatnot, but they could definitely pass it to the receivers and let them create, and you know, most of those are just safe plays with high ceilings, right, you know, you're making a short dump off throw, but you're letting your receivers create and letting your receivers block and do all that stuff and so uh, if I was central I'd pay attention to the skyline scheme here because I think it's one that you could potentially use but regardless I think skyline wins this one uh, if anything I'm probably more concerned about the offense keeping up now this really central defense isn't bad I don't think I've given them enough praise I think they're a pretty solid group uh, in general but <laughs> You know, to win football games, you gotta score. And, you know, I don't think this central team has enough elite talent for them to, you know, have a defense that they could just rely on to not only stop the other team, but score as well. After that, they play Longmont. Now, Keegan Patterson is on fire right now. Speaking of Silver Creek, he just torched them. And honestly, right now, he's a strong contender to win MVP or, you know, Playmaker of the Year. That's what we're going to call it on this podcast. Uh, for this year on the 4A level, he is an absolute beast out there. And honestly, for Central to even have a chance of winning this game... They just got to outduel Keegan Patterson. You know, I don't know if you have much hope at stopping him, but you got to try to outduel him. And honestly, even some of the contenders can't outduel Keegan Patterson at this point. So I'm going to go ahead and predict this one in L. Versus Grand Junction Central, though, honestly, I believe this is a very winnable game for Central. I think. Greeley is just kind of a tougher team in general. Uh, only thing I would advise is that you just can't have a sloppy game this game. You know, I think this is a game that, you know, I would personally favor Greeley Central in if I had to pick it. And so you just kind of, 
you can't make too many mistakes here. Just keep that in mind. Also, it'll be in Grand Junction as well, and so that's a little bit of a drive and whatnot. And so, you know, go in there, take care of business. I think they could do that. That's a winnable game. Unfortunately, after that, they play Loveland. Loveland is rolling against a lot of teams. They only have one loss on the season, and that was against, uh, you know, a pretty strong team in Ralston Valley. That's kind of a powerhouse, and so uh, this Loveland game is... You know, that's a tough game for most teams. I don't think Central is ready to win this one yet. And then their last game of the season, their last home game of the season, is against Monarch. Now, unfortunately, Central is probably not going to make the playoffs. And so, this Monarch game will probably be Chino and Leon's last game um, as a Wildcat. Which is really sad, you know. They've done a lot for this program. And so, I believe that this Greeley Central team will rally around that. And not only Chino and Leon, but you know the other seniors on the squad. I believe uh, Macias, he is a senior as well, along with Sanchez. And so, this is a game you want to win for your seniors. I think they go ahead and do that. Um... Now, it won't be easy by any means, but I think they just find a way to get it done. And so with all that being said, the final predicted record I have for Greeley Central this year is 3-7. and seven. Now, I'm just going to continue to throw this out there because I love the work ethic of these boys. I love the leaders that they have with Chino, Leon, Genoa, you know, and even when Leon and Chino inevitably leave, I love that they are in the hands of a Genoa who I know is a leader, who I know will get his boys, you know, up to speed and will get them in a good spot to win. And so ultimately, you know, just personally, I'm okay. I'm, let me talk about personally first. I'm a very big supporter of this Greeley Central program. Um, I did meet with with their athletic director last week as well so shout out to him uh shout out to juan Trujillo as well for introducing myself and cody and so honestly i i hope nothing but the best for this team i am very much personally invested into this team and you know seeing these boys succeed for sure but I'd be lying if I would say that they're in the spot to you know beat some of these tougher teams in their league right now and honestly you have some talent here. You have these three guys and some other guys, you know, around this team. But it's going to take a whole team to turn this thing around, you know. Also, personally, I kind of just believe Central is probably more of a 3A team. I would prefer if they, you know, move down because I think that fits, you know, their level of competition a little bit more here. I know they won't get it, though. So there's that. But, you know, for them to compete with some of these 4A teams, they just... I mean, they got to have a little bit more, and I don't think this year is that year yet. And so regardless, the rebuild continues. I think they're in a good spot. Obviously, they are losing some huge losses between Chino and Leon. Uh, you don't just replace that. I, it's going to take multiple players to replace them, to be honest with you. And so with all that being said... 3-7, and seven, I think this is the most realistic record for Greeley Central. They're going to continue to rebuild. They're going to continue to get better. Uh, what I would like to see and what Cody and everyone else on the Playmakers Corner Podcast would like to see is if they opened up the playbook a little bit more. Opened up as in, you know, more shotgun looks, more four-wide looks, and work with what you have there. And, you know, prepare for this to truly become Genoa's team next year once Leon and Chino and some of these other guys leave and just work towards Genoa's strengths and so uh that's all i gotta say about central they got some great players there but it is a rebuild that's where they're at right now and until proven otherwise that's just kind of how we see them right now but great players over there and great dudes in general you know it was an absolute pleasure meeting them last year as well but coming up next we are going to talk about 
the true king of Greeley, as of right now, record-wise. And that is Northridge, coming up next. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. Let's go ahead and get into it. Let's talk about Northridge High School. Currently, they do run the city of Greeley on this, uh, I want to say they're actually on the 3A level. And so let's talk about it. Let's talk about how this team came to be. Starting with uh, talking about their season last year in the fall where they played. They went 1-5. Their only dub was against Greeley West, who they beat 24-3. But they lost to Green Mountain 21-14. Mountain View 46-6. Frederick 44-14. Meade 42-0. And then Roosevelt 49-0. Definitely not an easy schedule at all. I'm looking at Roosevelt, who went to state. Meade, who went to the playoffs but had to forfeit. Uh, That's a strong team. Frederick's usually a strong team. And so, played a lot of tough teams here last year. This year, they're kind of flipping the script uh, to start this season going into their bye week, as in this week is their bye week. They are 4-1 with dubs over Riverdale Ridge, who they beat 21-7. Obviously, beat Greeley Central, like I said, 50-15. They beat Greeley West 21-7. And then they got stomped by Meade, who humbled them pretty quickly, 42-0. Meade winning 42-0, that is. And then last week... Won a pretty close one versus Thompson Valley, 17 to 12. Now, before I talk about some of the key players here, uh, last year I just wanted to say they didn't lose that many seniors. They lost three of their top tacklers, including Aaron Ness, who we talked about last year, and Patrick Diem, who we talked about last year as well. I believe we actually interviewed Patrick Diem as well, and so they're definitely losing um, a minimal amount of starters. And even this year, they're a pretty young team. You know, a lot of their guys are still juniors right now uh, a lot of their key players are still juniors right now so they have room to grow but let me go ahead and talk about one guy who you know who has stood out and that is junior running back Isaac Ness now I don't know if he's related to Aaron Ness I'm just gonna assume he is but this 5'10 180 pound running back has been extremely productive for this team being the leader on uh, the offensive side of the ball he's definitely a name to look out for as he is currently having a you know pretty solid season for himself as the full-time starter for the first time in his career and then in addition you know he also has 21 total tackles on the season so just in general um, how I view Isaac Ness he is kind of like the engine of this offense for sure and then obviously he plays defense but offensively is where most of his impact comes and so let me go ahead and talk about his stat line here versus Riverdale Ridge 27 rushes 169 rushing yards versus Central uh, on 25 carries 129 yards and a touchdown West 28 carries 148 rushing yards and a touchdown versus Meade has a very good defense 15 carries 37 yards understandable then versus thompson valley a solid 13 carries for 78 yards now if you're gonna watch northridge you gotta watch the running back isaac ness he's definitely a dude that you gotta look out for um he's still gonna produce this year if they find any success this year you could probably, you know, contribute, attribute some of that towards uh, Isaac Ness, you know, being the heart and soul of this offense and making it happen. Now, on the offensive side slash defensive side of the ball, they also have another guy here in junior wide receiver slash uh, DB, uh, Reese Pratt. Um, now, this 5'10", 170-pound athlete, you know, 
he provides a lot of the juice and speed for this team. He's listed at a 465 40-yard dash, which is pretty good, you know, uh, at least for high school, that's pretty good. And so it shows whenever he plays, whether he's uh, playing corner or wide receiver or whatever. He is obviously one of the best athletes for the squad and is kind of continuing to make a name for himself. Uh, for this team, he is definitely, you know, one of the home run hitters on the squad. He's somebody that, you know, I could see Northridge using in multiple ways as a receiver and as a running back on offense, you know, someone who could carry some of those jet sweeps and whatnot. And so he's definitely somebody to look out for, just a junior as well. And so already doing his thing. Now, uh, quarterback Cooper Rose, he is a junior as well, and you know, he is definitely pretty raw, um, he's been getting better every year, don't get it twisted, every year he's gotten better, he's improved this year, you know, I think I, if I'm Northridge, I'm relying on him a little bit more to be, you know, a game manager type don't commit too many turnovers, and the next year we could really turn it up. But he is still an exceptional quarterback. Um, uh, I guess another quarterback slash running back to talk about is uh, Damon West. He is, I want to say a junior as well. Um, he's a solid second rusher at quarterback. So obviously you have Isaac Ness. Now they bring in Damon West to kind of be that like, hey, I'm going to go into Wildcat and we'll be able to run a bunch of read options from shotgun or whatever. I get some extra running yards here, rushing yards here. And so I have to mention him as well. So between Cooper Rose and Damon West, they kind of split uh, quarterback responsibilities there. Cooper Rose obviously getting the majority of those opportunities. Now, <clears throat> Before I move on and make predictions for the squad, I want to talk about Eli Wolf. He reached out to us last year. He plays quarterback, defensive end, um, and he's kind of a bigger dude. You know, 6'2", 180, 190, not bad. You know, I wanted him to potentially get this quarterback spot. Unfortunately, it just didn't work out, but he is a big friend of the podcast. I like the dude personally. Um, everything I hear coming from Northridge is that he's just a great dude, has an excellent work ethic, definitely one of the leaders of this team, and you know, he's honestly somebody that I would like to interview sometime uh, in the offseason, because I just like the dude. I think he's a great kid, and he's definitely a leader for the squad, you know, both on the field and off the field, for sure. He just isn't somebody you gotta worry about off the field. And then on the field, he's gonna make the right football plays. You know that. You just do. Because he has that work ethic. So shout out to Eli over there. But let me go ahead and predict this season. Now, this football squad, this Greeley West football squad is a solid one but they're definitely a younger team with the majority with a lot of their you know major contributors and all that being juniors you know and you know there just aren't a lot of seniors on the squad just like last year and so offensively they just need to become more efficient if they want to continue to win more and that starts with Cooper Rose their quarterback because even though he has gotten better Turnovers is probably still an issue there for him and for this team. And so I'm keeping that all in mind as I'm making these predictions here. So they play Mountain View next. Uh, that's the next game they play coming off their bye. I think this is going to be a close game. And I could probably see it going both ways, but personally... I just think Mountain View does a better job of taking care of the ball, and I think I could see them grinding this one out in a close one against West. So this one is a predicted loss for them. Then they play Roosevelt now... Roosevelt, they are who we thought they were. 
They're a very strong team this year, and it's holding up that they're a contender, you know. And honestly, <laughs> if they couldn't score against Meade, I think they'll find a hard time scoring against Roosevelt, who arguably has just as good a defense, if not better, you know, depending on who you ask. And then obviously, they have firepower over there as well. So this Roosevelt team is very strong. Um, I think this might be a similar game to the Meade game. Then they play Skyview. Um, not going to lie, this should be an easy dub. They really shouldn't struggle against this kind of team <sighs> then they play Fort Morgan and now the biggest difference here is that Fort Morgan has a lot more seniors on the squad with a lot of talent you know I'm talking about Briggs Wheatley Frank Ortega are those all those boys over there that we have talked about in the past and so for Northridge to beat them they'll have to play a near perfect game to beat this explosive offense. Fort Morgan is good to go crazy on offense, you know. They could score 21 points in a blink of the eye uh, in, in a quarter, honestly. That's just who they are with their talent and with the coaching over there. And so they got to play a tough, you know, very clean game against them. I don't know with this young squad if they can necessarily do that right now. And so right now I have Fort Morgan winning. Then at the end of the season, they play Niwot. You know, honestly, if Central could have beat them and should have beat them then i feel like northridge should definitely be able to beat them this shouldn't be a close game here so to end the season i have northridge going six and four that is my predicted record for them uh, not a bad record at all considering they play mead roosevelt fort morgan who are stacked playoff teams not just playoff teams but you know teams that could actually win win it all win state and so this is a very young team and, you know, it showed when they played Meade. Now, they're going to continue to grow. And I expect them to grow. You know, they have some good talent over there. This is a very nice talent pool that they have over there. And, you know, obviously, when you have young talent, you're going to have growing pains. I think those four losses on the season, um, you know, those are all going to be results of growing pains, honestly. And so, maybe this year isn't their year yet. But I do believe this is most definitely a playoff team. Don't get it twisted. They're going to be a playoff team. I don't think they're going to be a one and done team necessarily either but i think just because of the youth and how young this team is i don't know how consistent they're going to be week by week and so with that being said six and four is my final predicted record for a northridge team that currently runs the city of Greeley. and so uh there you go now coming up next we're gonna go down a couple levels and talk about it to a team in the patriot league Coming up next. Alright, let's get it. Let's talk about University High School in Greeley. They are a 2A team in the Patriot League. Now, last year, their record was 3-3, three three, so not a bad year. You know, they had wins against Fort Lupton, who they beat 48-16, uh, Severance, who they beat 26-17, and then Berthold, that they beat 31-18, but their L's was against Delta. Uh, that's a 31-21 loss. They lost to Res, uh, Fort Resurrection Christian, sorry, 47-0, and then they lost to Highland, um, a 1-18, 49-8. 
Now, before I go into this season, they lost a lot of players from last season as well, including star running back Caden Meisner, who was their lead rusher and receiver. Cody actually did a breakdown on his game last year, if you want to go ahead and check that out. They also lost their second leading rusher, uh, or I think he was their second leading rusher in Kyle Jones, so that's tough. They're losing their lead tackler, Bryce uh, Strang. Uh, they're losing another one of their leading tacklers, an uh, inside linebacker, Jay Roth. Out of the seven players who recorded a sack last year, they're losing five of them, and they're also losing their interception leader, Eric Chavez. And so, uh, you know, university's kind of losing a lot. They're losing a lot primarily on the defensive side of the ball, but obviously on offense as well, you know, you're losing a Caden Meisner who did play both sides, and he's a big star, and that's not... He's not necessarily somebody that you could replace so easily, you know, uh, just him being so talented. But this year, you know, they're doing a pretty good job of managing some of those losses. Right now, they are 3-1 and one going into, um, well, their game they played this week or will have already played this week is against Severance. and That's a Thursday night game. So by the time this episode comes out, uh, we would already know how that Severance game went. But right now they are 3-1. and one. And so let me go ahead and talk about uh, this season. So they got a dub to open the season against Kent Denver. They beat them 31-12. They beat Manitou Springs 43-0. They beat Valley 42-6. And then their one loss of the season came last week against Eagle Valley. Unfortunately, they lost in double overtime 38-30 in a close one. And so, pretty good start. For university this season you know this isn't necessarily a start that we would have expected considering how much they lost but with that being said let's talk about the players they have right now that are contributing and so um i guess the number one guy that i really want to talk about is senior db slash wide receiver kanan padilla uh this kid is doing it all for this university squad i believe he actually won uh, player of the week one time um, so far this season and right now he's emerging as a potential you know MVP playmaker of the year candidate for us on the two-way level you know he plays both sides of the ball and he's just extremely productive he is the go-to guy for university whether it's on offense or defense and so let me talk about his stat line here which is very impressive and productive versus Kent Denver he had three receptions for 45 yards and a receiving touchdown he also had five tackles and two pass deflections versus Manitou Springs. He had three carries for 56 rushing yards, one touchdown. He also had one receiving uh, touchdown for six yards. On defense, he also had seven tackles, one pass deflection, and a forced fumble. Versus Valley, he had three carries, 35 rushing yards, three uh, receive receptions, sorry, 40 receiving yards. Then on defense, this is where he made the biggest impact. He had four tackles, three interceptions, with one of those being a pick six. And so he really got it going there. Then versus Eagle Valley, another great game. Five receptions, 68 receiving yards, one receiving touchdown, nine tackles, and two interceptions. And so as you could see... Padilla is that dude for this university squad. I think he's actually one of the leading interception leaders. Um, or, yeah, well, one of the interception leaders in the entire state on all levels with five, I want to say, right now. 
The other guy I really like for university is senior quarterback slash safety, Greg Garza. So far, he's had a solid year, and, you know, he's shown that he could be a, you know, a solid to good quarterback for university here. He is uh, actually kind of a standout player and, con and contributor on the offensive side of the ball. This is uh, where a lot of their offensive production is coming from. And so let me go ahead and talk about his stat line here versus Ken Denver. Went 12 of 18 for 166 passing yards, a touchdown. Also had 12 carries for 36 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns. Versus Manitou Springs, he went 10 of 21 for 109, 195 passing yards, four passing touchdowns, one interception. You know, he had seven carries but only went for eight yards. Versus Valley, he had a really nice game. 14 of 22 for 265 passing yards, a passing touchdown. Also had 12 carries for 35 yards and four touchdowns. Now, this Eagle Valley game was the game he probably struggled the most, where he only went 12 of 26 for 145 passing yards, two touchdowns through two interceptions. Um, he had seven carries for negative seven yards, but he also had a rushing touchdown. So look, the numbers don't lie. He's obviously very productive, but it is against teams that aren't exactly, you know, the biggest strength. Um, or, sorry, the biggest challenges right now. And so it'll be interesting to see how he adjusts moving forward. And if he can keep up this production, you know, as it showed... You know, if he has a bad game, that's not necessarily a, you know, obviously it's just not a game that will be favoring University to win. So he has to play good games consistently. Now, part of the reason he is doing so good, obviously, as Kane and Padilla, who is at wide receiver, he's their speedster. But he has uh, two big-bodied receivers in senior Tate uh, Chacon and then junior Logan Getting. Now, Tate, he is 6'5", 195, also has 191 receiving yards and two touchdowns on the season, while Logan is 6'4", 200 pounds, with 205 receiving yards and two touchdowns on the season. Now, these two guys, first off, it's always tough, you know, guarding receivers and guarding teams with receiving cores that have two or more dudes that are, like, over 6'3", and so, so automatically, he has two jump ball guys. Throw in a speedy Kanan Padilla, you know, who could probably work in from the slot. You know, that's a pretty formidable receiving core with a good passing game. I think you live with that um, if you're university. You you love that, honestly, if you're university having so many big bodies to go up and make plays on the ball, you know. And so that's going to be really interesting to see uh, if this production could keep up as the season moves on and they play tougher opponents. Now... Before I get into predictions, I want to talk about one guy on the defensive side of the ball that has been contributing uh, a lot, and that's senior inside linebacker Jack Virgil, at six foot two twenty. Um, you know, he's just honestly a bigger dude who's currently leading the team in tackles. He only has one more tackle than Padilla as of right now when I'm recording this, but you know, he's a dog. He's somebody that uh, I could only assume is a leader on the defense. So there you go. Now. Let me go ahead and predict this season. Let me go ahead and predict this season for University here. Um, they're going to enter some pretty stiff competition as they enter league play. Starting with Severance on September 30th. Like I said, that game would have already happened. I'm going to go ahead and predict it right here, though, on September 29th. And I think that they're going to get the dub. Now, Severance, they have a strong defense. And so it will be in, it will be a very interesting matchup, just in general, how they match up against this University offense that has firepower 
but I'm going to go ahead and predict that University just barely wins a close one here. Now, I could definitely see it going both ways, but it is kind of, uh, you know, a shorter week for both teams. And, you know, Severance is kind of the younger team here with less experience. And so I'm going to go ahead and go with University getting this dub. Now, next week, they play the Academy, which is a tough game. Um, they got to go to win... Uh, Westminster actually to face off with junior quarterback Isaiah Elliott who has been on a tear all season uh, he's been doing his thing I think they get into a huge shootout with uh, the academy but I think that uh, they just barely lose and so I'm going to predict this one as a loss after that oh boy they got their hands full with Eden um, this is actually, I don't know if I'll make it to this game. Uh, hopefully we can get some eyes in there, but this will be a very good game. Now, Eden's defense, they've thrashed every team that has come into their way so far. And so University is going to have their hands full, you know. They're going to have to get the ball out of their quarterback's hands quickly to prevent those sacks because that pass rush will be coming. This will be a difficult game for University, even if they are at home. You know, Eden isn't that far away. And so, it will be interesting, but, you know, at this point with Eden, until a team beats them, I'm going to keep predicting them winning because I just don't see a team beating them after seeing them play live and, you know, watching uh, them as the season goes on. And so, that's just a tough game. I just don't think they're going to have enough firepower to win that game, at least this first matchup. They might meet up again in the playoffs, but I think this first matchup, Eden has their number right now. Uh, after that, they play Berthold. Um, I think that's how you say it. This should be an easy dub. Uh, their schedule eases up for one week. That's all I'm going to say there. Then, to end the season, they play Resurrection Christian. This won't be an easy game at all. And, you know... Uh, they're gonna they're gonna have their hands full, you know, trying trying to contain Eddie Lemos over there. But honestly, other than Eden and Severance, I think this defense is capable of doing that. And then honestly, I think this offense is capable of keeping up with the production that Eddie Lemos is putting out for Raz over there. And so I think it'll most likely come to a shootout, a shootout that I have University winning, ending the season on a dub, uh, the regular season that is. And so. The final record, the final record I have for University, this is the record I predict. University will go 6-3, and three, and you know what? I'm going to just keep it 100. This Patriot League is very tough in general. You know, this might be the toughest league in, I won't say in all of Colorado, but in 2A for sure. And this year is no different. They're always tough. And so there are some games, you know, that they could maybe win or lose in place of others, but... I think six and three is a very, uh, you know, a very strong record considering who they have to play. You know, what I'm interested in seeing is how far Greg Garza could take this team. This team has weapons on their squad. You know, they have two big-bodied receivers, six four and up. They have, um, you know, potential MVP playmaker of the year candidate and Kanan Padilla. You know, and so they have talent. Now, moving forward. On offense, you know, for university, how far you go will depend on the quarterback play, in my opinion, and how he uses that talent. And so it will be very interesting to see how university plays. Uh, first off, shout out to our boy Carson. I believe he's over there. He's messaged us about covering university. And, you know, this university team, they look really fun this year. That's all I got to say. And, you know, once you make the playoffs, anything could happen. So, yeah. 
Now, as you know, I am not going to be covering Greeley West on this episode, uh, at least probably not this year, but I'm going to go ahead and cover another team that I talked about earlier on in this episode. They are a 2A Patriot League as well, and that is Severance High School. Come, come next. Alright now, let's talk about this last team on this episode, episode 70, and I'm talking about Severance High School. I want to talk about their football program here. Now this football program is in its third year. It's only been around for three years, and so last year in their second year, you know, considering it was a COVID year, they didn't have a bad season at all. Uh, in fact, they won 3-2, and two, and so their three dubs... 39-0 versus Arvada, 55 or sorry, 54 to 0 versus Alameda, and then 42 to 6 over Berthold. Their losses came against University, a solid squad, 24 or sorry, 26 to 14, and then they lost to Eden, who eventually won state, 51 to 6. Now, because this is literally a third-year program, there were no seniors last year at all. So, they're returning the same squad for the third year in a row, you know. And so, that experience and that uh, chemistry has actually showed so far this season. And so, like I said... You know, they have a Thursday night matchup with University that's on September 30th. So by the time I come out with this episode, uh, you know, the game would have already happened. So there you go. But they are 4-0 heading into that matchup. Uh, let me talk about what's happened so far this season. So they won 54-0 versus the Evelyn. Uh, they beat Niawat 27-2. Beat Platte Valley, a good team in a close one. They beat them 17-14. And then they beat Brush 20-7. And so Severance is kind of rolling right now. You know, third year, uh, newer program, and they're doing their thing. Uh, ahead of their league play, that is. And so... The most important, or at least one of the most important players on this offense, in my opinion, he's the most important. Uh, that is junior quarterback Nolan Hertzke, I believe is how you say that. Um, I think he is probably the most important part of this offense. The 6'4 quarterback this year, you know, he's just been elevating this offense to another level as the year uh, goes on. And honestly, it'll be interesting to see how he fares against, uh, you know, the teams in his league against tougher competition but uh for this seventh team to just be successful they need to he needs to play a clean game for this team to make some noise in the playoffs now obviously the rest of the team needs to play a clean game but i'm looking at nolan here uh he's the quarterback for the team he has to lead the team as such, and so he just has to play a clean game as the year goes on. Now, let me talk about his stat line versus the Evelyn in that first game. 3 of 6, so not bad. 70 yards for a passing touchdown. Also carried the ball 5 times for 50 yards and a rushing touchdown. Versus Niwot, he went 4 of 10 for 102 yards, um, 2 passing touchdowns, 1 interception. Only had 7 carries for 9 yards. Versus Platte Valley, 6 of 14, 164 passing yards, touchdown, 10 carries, 32 yards, and a rushing touchdown. And then versus Brush, 8 for 21 for 130 passing yards, 2 touchdowns. Now, just looking at the stat line, it does not look pretty, but he is scoring multiple touchdowns, more touchdowns than turnovers, and so you kind of take that if you are severance for now. And so... You know, even though he is a junior, 
uh, he's still developing. And so it's going to be interesting to see how he continues to, to develop as the season goes on. But offensively, he is key to this success. Now defensively, uh, well, on defense, that's their strength. Severance is a very good defensive team and that starts with their star player safety Caden Donovan at 6'1 171 pounds he is getting it done for Severance and has a you know emerged as a potential defensive player of the year candidate for us here on the podcast at least on the two-way level um in addition you know on offense he also has 142 receiving yards receiving touchdown um or sorry 142 receiving yards and then he has caught a receiving touchdown pretty much every game except for the first one that the Evelyn game in the season and so you know he's somebody who contributes to both sides of the ball he's doing his thing now let me talk about you know his stat line so far so versus the Evelyn Four tackles, two interceptions, two pass deflections versus Nawap. He had 12 tackles, one interception. Platte Valley, he had eight tackles, one interception versus Brush. He had 11 tackles and then one fumble recovery. And so Caden Donovan, he's been an absolute star for the Severance team. I expect him to continue to be that as the team goes on, you know. He is one of their most talented players on their squad and one of the only seniors on the squad as well. Now, a couple other players I want to talk about the defensive side of the ball um, includes sophomore middle linebacker slash tight end Braden Varney. This kid is a pass-rushing monster with 23 total tackles on the year. And get this, he has seven sacks on the season. This dude has had two sacks pretty much every game except for the Niwot game where he only had one. Um, but obviously, he's a huge part of this defense as a sophomore. You can't just ignore the dude, you know. He's been super productive. So, there you go. Now, fellow junior linebacker Colby Runner, he is another key part of this defense. He is the lead tackler on this dominant 7th defensive squad. Uh, right now, he has 50 tackles and 6 tackles for losses on the season. He also has 3 sacks as well, so he's doing his thing. And now, uh, these two outside linebackers I want to talk about are you know very key to the success of the squad. Just putting up numbers, honestly. And I believe they're related in some way. They might be brothers, they might not be. But I'm pretty sure they're related in that way. And that is senior... Uh, outside linebacker Reese Gazdick, I want to say, and then junior outside linebacker Parker Gazdick. Um, I'm assuming they're relatives, like I said, but right now they're playing fantastic football, just causing a lot of turnovers and just killing it on the football field, you know. These two are, you know, part of what makes this severance defense so good. You know, makes them excellent. And so their stat lines on the season. Reese, he has 32 tackles, a sack, and three interceptions. Pretty much has a pick every game except for the brush game. Parker, on the other hand, 18 tackles, three interceptions. And two of those picks came in the brush game. And so this defense is just stacked. You know, they got dudes everywhere and everyone's producing they're getting turnovers and they're doing their thing and so that's what you like to see if you're severance now let me go ahead and predict the season though so they play university i already talked about that game i think it's a loss um they haven't played an offense like university yet and so worst case scenario it might get into a little bit of a shootout and their offense needs to keep up i think on a short week that's a little bit too much to ask and so that's why i have university winning this one after that, they play Bertolt. This should be an easy dub. Then they play Resurrection Christian. Honestly, 
Um, Eddie Lemos and uh, I think it's Dunlap over there. They are a tough, you know, offensive team to stop, especially with those two at the helm. But I think this Severance team has a strong, you know, front seven or so, along with a star safety. I think, you know, outside of Eden, this Severance defense is, you know, the next best team, uh, next best defense to stop Eddie Lemos and company. So, there you go. I think the biggest thing for Severance here, they cannot allow any big plays from either of them. Um, if they don't allow any big plays, I think this is a game they win. Now, right after that, unfortunately, they do play Eden. Um, hopefully, I'll be at this game, actually. I'll be there live in Eden to watch the showdown, which will be a good one between two of the most dominant defenses in Northern Colorado. But, um, just going to be honest, I think whichever offense plays the cleaner game will win. And right now, I think Eden with Ethan Flores, Walker Martin and company, you know, they're a more experienced and stacked offense. And so not only that, uh, you know, they have a great defense, they have an offense to match up. This should be a good one, but I do have Eden winning this one. After that, Sevens goes ahead and plays the Academy. I'd be very surprised if they lose this one. Uh, this should be a good game. This should be a game that they win pretty easily here. Okay, so to end the season, the predicted record I have for Severance is 7-2. This is a talented team, in my opinion, that could make a deep playoff run if their defense continues to play like they have. The defense needs to dominate in order to make this happen, not only this predicted record, but this playoff run happen. I think they're going to be very reliable on that defense just playing good games. Offensively, I think once again it's going to come down to their quarterback. You know, can he play a clean game? Can he not commit too many turnovers? Can he get the offense up and down the field enough times to win some of these tight games that the defense will put you in position to win? And like I said, this is a talented defense. This is a defense that could probably score for you as well, but I don't think you want to rely on your defense scoring if you want to make a deep playoff run. You know, and so uh, either way, though, seven and two, I think that's what it will come down to for severance. And honestly, that's it. I don't have really anything else to talk about on this podcast. You know, there's a lot of talent in the northern Colorado area. And so be on the lookout for a lot of these teams. But anyways, thank you so much for the love, for listening to this, for supporting us. If you want to continue to support us and show, show us some love, uh, go ahead and, you know, check out our social medias. That's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter as well. We'll be posting a lot more content there. Until then, look out for the recap next week that I'll be doing. And peace.